All right, I'm going to pray and then we'll get going. Sound good? All right, Jesus, just as Dane prayed, just, uh, just be made known tonight. Jesus, who you are, how big you are, that's not a scary thing. That's a comforting thing, just how big you are. Jesus, just reveal yourself tonight through your word, through the truth of who you are both spiritually and physically, who you became so that we could be with you. Just show us this next stage in the Christian walk as you modeled for us, as you went out into public ministry, as you pressed out, empowered by the Holy Spirit. War came to you. So I just pray that we'd be equipped tonight, that I would do a a good job of equipping your saints. And so... Holy Spirit, empower me to teach. Empower all of us tonight to learn. And empower us to go out on mission, forthright for the gospel, knowing full well who we're serving and who holds all of creation in his hands. So Jesus, just be glorified, be high and lifted up, be preeminent in our lives, in this service, in our worship of you and in our lives moving forward. Jesus, just make that real. Holy Spirit, you can do that. I trust that you can do that. We know, and we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was FaceTiming with my dad just a little while ago. My dad's in Minneapolis. He's like a 40-year veteran of the pulpit. My little boy, Ethan, turned five today. Pearl Harbor Day, a little kamikaze came in, right? <laughs> And I was telling my dad, he said, so, oh, you haven't, you haven't taught yet. I said, so you're teaching tonight, what are you teaching on? Gave him a little synopsis. And he said, make sure that you pray for your family. And my dad, the Reverend Dr. David Norman Glesney said, because they do not like when you talk about them. Some of you are like, how did we get here from Zach's sermon last Sunday, right? You're like, that one was like gifts and mission, right? It was like, yay! And there were demons, right? And nothing says a December, Christmas, holiday season like a study about demons, right? This is not a study about demons. This is a study on the authority of Jesus Christ. Okay? This is a study about the authority of Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters said this. He said, look, there's two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. So some of you are wondering, how how do we go from church on fire to Jesus and demons? Let me tell you how. And even the series before that, we took a look at Be the Church, did we not? We took a look at the early church. We took a look at Acts. We took a look at the fact that, that It's not that Jesus' ministry was good, great, and grand. It's that it is good, great, and grand, and it's been transferred to us. Jesus' ministry did not end when he left earth. It was simply transferred via the Holy Spirit. And so we looked at be the church, and not just doing church, but actually being the church, becoming the church. And then Zach rolled into a church on fire. Now we're not just, we're, we're not just enlightened about the Holy Spirit, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes the church in water and fire. Now we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are on Jesus' mission filled with the Holy Spirit, as Jesus himself was baptized by the Holy Spirit before he went out into his public ministry. Did you know that? And for about 18 years of his life, well, for the first 12, he, he grew up, he was a baby, he grew up, he went to school, he listened to teachers, he had breakfast with his parents, he started, a, he was in a construction business with his dad, 
He would sleep. He would play games. He would have days off and days on the field. He would show up at job sites. He'd organize clients. He had a job for 18 years after 12 years of childhood until he was 30. When he was baptized, he went out, was baptized by John, filled with the Holy Spirit and moved out into public ministry. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, he's been baptized. Now the Holy Spirit has come and it's a picture. Jesus lived the perfect Christian life, right? It's like sort of the name, sort of like made sense, right? So Jesus's life is exactly what the Christian life should look like. He models it for us. He wasn't just doing church. He was becoming the church. He was building the church. He was not just enlightened about who the Holy Spirit is. He's now filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus now embodies the church on fire. He says, filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit. So we see that even in the incarnation, Jesus was being led and guided and ushered by the Holy Holy Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Who shows up when the church is on fire? Satan. Who shows up when Christians stop being legalists that just show up to church? When they become the church, when they are filled by the Holy Spirit, because now you're engaged in spiritual warfare. When you were without the spirit, they left you alone. There was no need. There was no spiritual element. And that's the element in which they operate. Why attack you? You're doing destruction just fine on your own. Oh, but now the Holy Spirit's got you. Now the gates open and war ensues. Same thing happens for Jesus. Jesus filled by the Holy Spirit says, here we go, public ministry, pushing out, not just being, not just doing the church, going to be the church, going to show you what the church is, not just knowing about the Holy Spirit, being filled by him and demons show up. And so Jesus himself encounters Satan immediately. This is not the first time they'd met. This was not the first time they met. Genesis 1.1 says this. In the beginning, God created. And we know who did the creating. Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune God. Equally God, functionally submissive, submissive in the Trinity. It's a picture of marriage. Equal, yet with separate roles. So when the Father spoke... The father didn't actually create. He didn't, he's not the one that put everything together. That was Jesus. Jesus put everything together. It says this in Colossians 1.16. It says that all things were created by Jesus, through Jesus, and ultimately for Jesus. Jesus created everything. So when it says, in the beginning, God, Elohim, which is plural, Singular plurality, unified diversity. It's where we get the word university. Shocking as though that may be in the state system. University, unified diversity, three in one, a triune God. Elohim created, Jesus goes to work. And it says this, the heavens and the earth. Who's made this mistake? You've put God in heaven when he did all the creating. Like there he was in heaven and he created. Where was he? There was nowhere to be. There was just God. How does that work? No clue. Cannot wait to ask him. How did that whole nowhere to be thing work out for you? There was just God. There was just God. There was no space-time continuum. There was no location. There was no heaven even. There was just in perfect community, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Set that backdrop to everything. That's how big God is. Before heaven, not just before the earth, before heaven, just God. And then Jesus created. All things were created by him, through him, and for him. 
And it says he created the heavens and the earth. He created a spiritual realm and he created a physical realm. A spiritual realm and a physical realm. Heaven, earth, spiritual, physical. And in those two realms, angels and humans. Angels and humans. Created by God himself. And we know some things from scripture about angels. In the Greek, it just simply means messenger. These are created spiritual beings without bodies, flesh, bones, hair. Without physical bodies, they operate in the spiritual realm. We know that they were created with certain purposes. To praise God, Isaiah 6.3. To serve as messengers to the world, Luke 1, 26, uh, Luke 1, Luke 2. To watch over God's people, Psalm 91, and sometimes to be used as instruments of God's judgment. We see that in Matthew 13. And they got a ton of attributes. Look, angels are insane creatures in the coolest way possible. Not loony bin insane, okay? Like epic spiritual creature. These things are not cute. These things are nothing like the cartoons. This is not cloud and a harp thing, right? These are massive, strong, we'll just get to the attributes. They carry out the will of God. They worship God in Christ. They are wise. They are mighty. They are holy. They are innumerable. Innumerable. Our minds cannot fathom that. They're in a different dimension, all created by Jesus. And the Bible tells us innumerable. You can't count them. But they're not to be worshipped. Angels are not to be worshipped. Angels are created beings. Same you and me. That's why when you read Revelation and an angel shows up, John falls on his face and the angel's like, whoa. He's like, stop that. My theatrics are not great. Awkward silence. John shows up and falls on his face in front of an angel. And the angel says, knock that off. He says, I'm just a servant like you. From the spiritual realm, you're the physical realm. Both created by Jesus, through Jesus, ultimately for Jesus. But in the creation account, as we're going to see in the scripture, we don't exactly know when. Theologians will disagree on when. What day? At what point? Was it eternity? When, when, when did this all happen? When, when, when did this happen? We're not sure. I've read some of my favorite theologians, not sure the day. The Bible doesn't say, so we don't necessarily need to know. But what we do need to know is that there was an angelic insurrection in heaven. It says this in Isaiah. If you can pull that up. Maybe, maybe not. I'll read. Either way, I've got it here. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. That was this angel's name, and he was one of the greatest, grandest, biggest, baddest angels. There's rank structure. Lucifer was his name. Lucifer was the amazing of an amazing rank of angels. He was top notch. And it says, how are you, you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Lucifer said, that whole God thing, I can do it. That whole being in charge of everything, I can do that. Submitting to no one but myself, I can do that. 
The prophet Isaiah goes on to say, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. And so one of the angel leaders, Lucifer, gathers up, the Bible records, a third of the angels, a third of an innumerable force, an innumerable army of wise, mighty, holy, strong, powerful, innumerable angels. He gathers a third. What's a third of an innumerable amount? A lot. It's the mathematical term for us comm majors, okay? A third of an innumerable force, and they commit cosmic treason against God. They say, we'll be like God. We'll answer to ourselves. We will be God. We will answer to no one. We will be under no authority. We'll be above God. We will be God. And they're cast down. No surprise, you pick a fight with God, you lose. You pick a fight with Jesus, you lose. You pick a fight with the Holy Spirit, you lose. And some of you are freaking out because you're saying, well, you're, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and now I'm gonna get attacked and my, my faith is gonna be shaken. You need to know this. The Bible says, he who's been placed in the Father's hand, no man can remove. Jesus never loses a fight. The Holy Spirit never loses a soul. If you are gripped by the Holy Spirit, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, though trials and tribulations will come, demonic, demoniacs will come, demons will come, the devil will come, he will not win. He will not win. So rest in that. The God that was there before there was even heaven says, when I put my spirit within you, it's over. It's over. You'll see me for eternity. And so a third of these angels rebel and they're cast down. And notice what happens in the garden. <clears throat> Satan. Comes sli- Actually, he didn't even come slithering in. Did you notice this? It wasn't until after the fact that God struck him down to slither. So I don't know if like this snake just walked up. <laughs> right? Some of you never put that timeline together. The snake came in like, oh, he slithered. No, he said he was struck down to slither after this. What was he doing before? I don't know, but it's probably creepy. Right? And moral of the story, gentlemen, kill the snake next time, right? Like, your wife's talking to a snake? Kill it, okay? So here comes Satan, bouncing in like Tigger, apparently, right? As a serpent. Some of you just got the visual, right? So here comes Satan. And what what does he feed? What does he feed? Don't say apple. What does he feed to Adam and Eve? What does he feed to Eve? While Adam's over there doing nothing, which is a picture of masculinity, right? And so he talks to, he talks to Eve. And what, did, what, what lie did he feed her? In its essence, you could be like God. You could be like God. Look, you could know what God knows. Just look, it's not a big deal. Have a taste. You could be like God. And so it's no surprise that the same sin that got kicked that got Satan kicked out of heaven got us kicked out of the garden. Had nothing to do with the fruit. Had everything to do with disobedience. Had everything to do with God saying, but that, and we say, then that. Everything, anything you want, but that. And all we see is that. And so Satan comes in, feeds the same lie, And now sin fractures creation. All of creation. All of creation is fractured. The earth itself, it says in Romans, groans to be reconciled to God. Ever since that decision in the garden, the earth itself has been fractured. That's the ultimate reason we have earthquakes. That's the ultimate reason we have hurricanes and natural disasters. It's because this is entirely unnatural. The creation itself, us included, is fractured by sin. Guided by Satan and his minions after getting cast out of heaven. He said, well, tell you what then. We'll just take creation with us. The old adage applies, misery loves company. And they are miserable. They are absolutely miserable. They're hell-bent on opposing God and destroying creation, as we're going to see in these coming weeks.
And I pray for those of you that are headed out of state, headed back home, either this week or next week, depending on when school ends. Look, we've got a new website up. We've got the videos online. Stay with us. Amen? Amen. They're hell-bent on opposing God and destroying his creation. And so here's two verses that I want to point out and show you something. It says in Hebrews 2, and the author is speaking in context of deliverance from spiritual slavery. In the context of deliverance from spiritual slavery, he says this in Hebrews 2.16, for indeed he does not give aid to the angels. He does not give aid to the angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. That's God's people. Now listen. Second Peter 2 4 says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Here's the difference. Demons cannot repent. We can repent by the grace of God. He's given that to the seed of Israel, to Abraham. He's given that to God's people. He's given us a lifeline. But for the demons, their fate has been sealed. And there's nothing more dangerous than an enemy backed into a corner, wounded with nothing to lose. With nothing to lose. They might as well take some people with them. And so demons begin to operate. But here's what we can't do. We can't begin to ascribe to them attributes that do not belong to them. Demons are not God. They do not know everything. They cannot be everywhere at all times. Think about that. And I, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, though I tend to joke about it a little bit. People you know, in prayer circles get together like, Satan's really oppressing me. He can only be one way, only one place in the whole world at one time. I don't think he picked you. You, I, I'm, you're pretty epic, but I don't think he picked you. Satan can be one place in all of creation at one time. Same with his demons. They can talk and communicate, and they certainly do. But don't begin to puff them up like C.S. Lewis. So like, don't begin to have this weird fascination where you start to give them way too much power. They are created beings. They can be one place at one time. So it's probably not Satan showing up at your door, but it very well could be a demon. And they do exist. And I love this prayer. I don't know if you know this. We get together beforehand and we pray over the service. We pray over every single one of you. We pray over all of you before you come. I pray for the music. I pray for the announcements. I pray for the sermon that Jesus would just solidify this, that he'd be made glorious. And then, and then Zach prays over the service. He prays over all of us. He, he prays for his focus groups and his discipleship groups. And Dane prays for the music. And I love what Dane prayed. He goes, Jesus, make tonight the night where people choose sides. See, some of you don't, you, you don't even believe that there's two sides. America would certainly not want you to believe that. Well, you believe in that whole demon stuff? Yeah, because they encountered with Jesus. And if Jesus lived the perfect Christian life and he was attacked by demons, you better believe that I believe we can be attacked by demons. I had a girl some time ago, a friend of mine actually, I grew up south of Chicago. Haven't really kept into too close contact with her, but she wrote me on Facebook I said, Mark, you got to talk to my friend. I said, why? She's got, she's got something in her house. Okay? Now, do I run and just full-blown, it's a demon, get out. I, no, but do I believe there's a possibility there? For sure. So she did a little three-way, you know, chat thing on Facebook, started talking with her. She goes, Mark, you got, you got to tell me, look, I said, hey, um, you know, pastor at a local church, friend of Katie's, okay? Tell me what you got. Mark, you got to explain this. You got to explain this dream. And this dream, this demon came in and did this, thing, this whole sort of thing. And it's not just a dream. It's been three nights in a row and I wake up and my house is cold, but it's not cold and everything is still. And yet there's times where it feels like it's shaking. I can feel presence. I've got a little baby girl. She and I wake up at the same time. We, we go in and out of sleep together. I feel oppressed. Sometimes I feel tight. Sometimes I feel like I've been loosed. I've walked in. I've seen my baby. Our house is 70 degrees and she's breathing as though it's cold. 
I can see it coming out. Mark, tell me about the, tell me about demons. You got to tell me about the dream. You got to tell me about what, what, what do I say to the demon? Do I need to know the name? Because I've seen a bunch of Hollywood flicks and apparently you need to know the name. You got to explain this sort of stuff. I said, stop. Let me tell you about Jesus. We don't start with demons. We start with who created angels that then rebelled against Jesus and became demons. Let me tell you about Jesus first. So this is not at all to glorify demons, it's to set up Christ above all. That's what this sermon is about. But we need to be realistic about spiritual warfare. It's coming. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit as Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, they're coming. They're coming. The Bible says you will be persecuted, both physically and spiritually. You will be persecuted. Have I personally experienced this? Yes, once. Fairly recently even. So even I would give this same sermon and yet have very little actual knowledge, working knowledge of of this sort of oppression. And there's two different ways that they operate, oppression and possession. Demons don't mean that you're just going to be running around with your head spinning around vomiting. Okay? Chained to a bed in a creepy old house somewhere, right? As Hollywood have, there can be oppression without possession. And I've experienced oppression, not possession. My father, though he would never talk about it, has experienced, and not himself, but seen possession. He's seen a little girl that doesn't even know him say things about his past that there is no way she would know that. But demons communicating about who just walked into the room, absolutely she could know that. But again, this does not set up demons. This sets up Christology. This sets up Christ preeminent above all creation. So creation itself subject to Jesus. Angels and demons and humans all subject to Jesus. But they cannot repent. So you can imagine why they're frustrated. And they're hell bent on destroying God's creation. That's why we're gonna see, you see cutting in the Bible by demoniacs because they can't stand the fact that their possession that they're, they're, that they're inside of someone that represents the image of God. And so they cut. And it's, they, they think it's a modern phenomenon with cutting. No. Cutting is entirely biblical, it's entirely ancient, and it's entirely demonic. And so, hell-bent on opposing God and destroying creation. Unlike us, they cannot repent and be saved And so it says this, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Yeah, Satan, yeah, he'll show up for Jesus, to be sure. And demons will follow. But Jesus is now out. He's on public. He's in part of his public ministry. And Satan shows up. And the Holy Spirit allows it, empowering him through it. But he allows it. See, there's a difference between fatalism and sovereignty. Fatalism says everything happens because of God. Sovereignty says everything that happens is allowed by God. Big difference. Does God force us to sin? No. Did he force Lucifer to rebel? No. And he was cast down and given the name Satan, which is just a Hebrew transliteration for adversary. And so Satan is cast down. God didn't force his hand. Did he allow it? For sure, there's free will. For sure, he allows it right up until the end. He allows continued rebellion through Revelation. He just waits and waits and waits and waits and waits and waits and waits. And tonight he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. Come to Christ, submit. I'm the authority, I'm the creator, God, worship me alone. And he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. And all the Christians are like, I just wish he'd come back. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. We weren't saying that before we got saved. He's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. He doesn't force rebellion, but he allows it. Sometimes though, that, those that love us the most leave us to our own devices. I heard uh, the, the great apologist Frank Turek, Dr. Frank Turek, give this analogy real quick. He said, ladies, have you ever had a guy that's wanted to, you know, like rub shoulders with you consistently? Hang out? Maybe date? You're just sort of like, no. Right? And he like starts sending you flowers, right? And Snapchats and creepy stuff like that, Right? <laughs> Nothing good happens on Snapchat, right? And so he just, he just starts like, kind of like sending you love letters, flowers. Right? All the guys are like, what's wrong with that? I thought that was epic. Saw it in a flick with Matt Damon, right? And so we're just like, they just start sending, he just starts sending you stuff. So I, I, I love you. I'm a little freaked out. I'm not, I'm not down with that. I don't really have those feelings for you. Like, I love you. And he just, he's, can he force you to love him back? 
No, and we would say, if he truly loves you, he'd what? Leave you alone. And so God, while you're here, just sending you love letters every day, sending you friends, sending you family, sending you pastors, sending you discipleship, sending you scripture, sending you reminders. You say, I'm not, I'm not really into that. And at some point, God leaves us alone. He says, I love you so much, I leave you alone. I don't force you. A forced love isn't love. And so we're not fatalists. This is not God forcing Satan to go tempt Jesus. But this is God allowing it to happen to show us how to live empowered through it. And so he says, by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. Who's done a fast before? Bonafide. Don't fake it with the shake fast, right? Where you just blend up a steak, okay? I'm doing the straw, I'm doing the straw fast, <laughs> anything through a straw, and then you get a, like a, you know, like one of these gauge straws, right? Like, just <laughs> chicken breasts, and a, right? And you're just, I mean a legit fast, no food, water only. I've done it. How long did you do it? I got seven one time, one time for this church, right? That's why they can't get me to leave. I'm like, hey, I fasted seven days for this church. I'm never leaving. <laughs> Emotionally scarred. I need to be healed, right? (laughs) Seven days I fasted. Jesus goes 40. Three days and we freak out. We start losing our mind. We can't go to work anymore. We can't do anything. We can't talk to us, right? We're angry at the wall for things, right? Like 40 days Jesus goes, nothing, Nothing. You need to know at 40 days, the body is about to die. 40 days, it says, by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Shocker. (laughs) By the way, Luke was a what? Doctor. And when he puts those details in there, he means it. It's a short little sentence. He was hungry, but Dr. Luke knew the body was consuming itself at this point. Jesus was skinnier than a marathon runner at this point. His body was eating his muscles. It was obtaining water from his muscles, from his fat to stay hydrated. His body was imploding. And Jesus, fully man, yet fully God, submitted in the incarnation, was hungry. It's almost not even a fair fight. It says he was hungry. He says, and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, and this more appropriately translated is, since you are the son of God, Satan knows exactly who he's dealing with. He's dealing with his creator. In the spiritual realm, Satan has seen him in the spiritual realm, and now he's seen him in the physical realm. He says, look, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus goes gangster. You know what he does on him? Straight throws Bible at him. You ever notice that? What authority do you go to? What's your first line of defense? Well, I saw a YouTube one time from this guy that was, seemed pretty smart. Jesus throws Bible at him, and he's going to do it all three times, and he's going to do it from the same book. Anyone know what book it is? Arguably Jesus' favorite book. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Like, really? really? He went with that one? Ugh. Right? And Jesus says this. He says, Jesus answered him saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What he says is that the words of God is more important than food. Are we beginning to feel like that? Filled with the Holy Spirit? Are we, are we on that path? How much time during the day do you think about your next meal? Look, I was, I was in the military. You live meal to meal in the military. That's it. You show up at boot camp. Kids are like, how do I survive? They're like, just get to breakfast. What do I do after that? Just get to lunch. What if dinner? Are you seeing a theme, right? You live meal to meal. How much do we spend our days thinking about food, planning for food, prep, picking out the spot, right? Where are we going? Cafeteria, are we going out on town? What are we doing? Right, business folk, do we got lunch being brought in for a meeting? Which pizza joint is it, right? 
What's going? Where am I going? Am I hitting Chipotle, flame broiler? Okay. Where we, and we think about food constantly. Are we meditating on the word half as much? Because Jesus says, look, this is your first line of defense when spiritual warfare comes. So he quotes Deuteronomy at 6.13. And check this out. This is, this is God, yes? yes? This is God. And yet in the, carna- in the incarnation, Jesus very rarely, very rarely makes himself available to his divinity. He very rarely pulls in divinity. He speaks with all authority of God, but you don't see him walking through walls, do you? No, because he's in the incarnation. He can't be everywhere at once, can he? No. Very rarely does he pull in his divinity, and he does it on a few accounts, and when he does, it's never for selfish purposes. It's always to embolden the faith of those that are following him. So when he walks on, you know, he surfed with no surfboard, you know, that whole thing? He did it to embolden the faith of a disciple, of all the disciples. Plus, he was just taking the short way across the lake, right? Okay. So Jesus does not launch into some massive spiritual attribute that we have no access to. He just straight throws down Bible. He just throws down Bible. And I love what, if I can find it, I love what David Guzik said. He says this. Oh, wait, and I skipped ahead. That was actually Deut- Deuteronomy 8.3, not 6.13. And he says this. He says, David Guzik says, we have, with, he's a pastor up at uh, Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara. He says, we effectively resist temptation in the same way Jesus did by countering Satan's seductive lies by shining the light of God's truth upon them. If we are ignorant of God's truth, let me rephrase, if we only show up on Sunday nights to listen to someone else talk about the Bible, we are poorly armed in the fight against temptation. Like I went to Iraq. Could you imagine if I walked up to my CEO and was like, hey, tell you what, I'll do like whatever, whatever you guys are training like Sunday mornings. I'll join you for that. Rest of the week, just kind of count me out. I'll be good. I'll be, what are we doing this Sunday? Grenade toss? Awesome, cool. It's like th- three minute ordeal. I'm out. Show up, get a sermon, and think you're equipped. Show up, get a sermon, and think you're equipped for spiritual warfare. By the way, demons, Satan, Bible experts. Bible experts. And so he just simply draws upon no spiritual, no special resources that we don't have available here. Here's the application. This is what he's saying. He's saying, hey Jesus, if you're the son of God, hey Christian, if you're God's children, okay, why is it going bad for you? Why, why are you struggling? Hey, look, if God loves you, why is it going down like this? And he follows up by saying this, just do a little something for yourself. Look, a little premarital sex, let's do a little something for yourself. He created you, right? You got all these desires, right? It's not going so well. You're not in love. You know, just a little bit of that, a little bit of drugs. A little bit of legal, illegal drugs, right? Come on, got an edge, take it off. Right? A little bit of drunkenness, let's do this. That's fine. Under 21? Yeah, don't worry about it. Right? Just do a little something for yourself. Look, if you're God's kids, why is it not going so great? Why is God allowing all this? Jesus says, tell you what, I'll go to God's truth for this one. God's word, more important than anything on earth you can throw at me. And the devil and the demons love that. Just do a little something for yourself. If it's not approved in here, it's not approved. I should say if it's condemned in here, it's a no-go. Okay? And so Jesus throws Bible at him. And again, sorry about that. That one is Deuteronomy 8.3, if you're taking notes for all the A students, right? And it says this, verse five, it says, then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. How did that happen? No clue. We're talking about the spiritual realm. All the kingdoms. Check this out. He says, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you. Satan assumes that it's his authority on earth. Is he telling the truth or not? He is. He is. It says it in John 12, 31. Who runs the earth? Satan. Do you know that? 
you know that you're living in occupied territory? Do you know that you're living behind enemy lines? We are living behind enemy lines. Every day of our life. I don't, hear, I don't care how comfortable it is in the Conejo Valley. These are behind enemy lines. Satan does run amok. The demons do run amok on earth. But remember who's higher. And so he says, look, I'll give you all this and their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, and what did he do? Just threw Bible at him. Threw Bible at him. This one is Deuteronomy 6.13. He says, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Check this out. What Satan is doing is inviting Jesus to inherit the earth without the cross. He says, I'll just give it to you now. Just compromise. You don't have to go to the cross. Just compromise. I'll give you all the earthly glory just for a bit of worship. You need to know that tactic is still alive and well. He says, look, I'll give you riches and fame on this earth just for a little bit of worship. Money's not the root of all evil. What is? Love of money is the root of all evil. Look, I'll give you a whole bunch of money. We'll, we'll, we'll get this thing going. You think that the devil can't scheme? You think that the devil can't influence in his territory? You think he can't influence? Of course he can. <clears throat> of course he can for a little bit of worship. And keep in mind, all that it took in the garden was for us to say, we'll be like God. That's idolatry. Misplaced worship. <clears throat> misplaced worship. And I'm in the secular business world like a lot of you. Okay? I show up tomorrow morning and first question out of the president, how do we make money? What are we doing to make money? I run all my Monday reports. Actually, I run them on Friday and we look at them on how are we making money. Good, great, and grand. He's a Christian guy. I give that pursuit of profit some of my attention, but I give it none of my worship. Okay? I give some of that pursuit of profit I give it some of my attention, but none of my worship. Satan says, look, I'll give you glory. I'll give you fame. I'll give you your own little kingdom in Newbury Park. Give you a house. I'll give you a boat. I'll give you a rental. I'll give you vacation time. I'll give you a check. I'll give you social security. I'll give you a pension. All sorts of stuff just for a little bit of worship. Just replace God for a quick minute. Replace God in your heart for something else. Same sin that got kicked out of garden. And so Jesus throws Bible at him. And he showed us that Adam did not have to sin. Again, Jesus came to live the perfect Christian life that we were to live, but we never did. So as a man, Jesus faced worse than Adam, yet he was without sin. Verse nine, it says, then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Why didn't Satan just why didn't he just chuck him off? Why didn't Satan just throw Jesus himself? Because he couldn't. He could merely suggest it. Why don't you do this? Creator, created. Mere suggestions before the creator. No dictation. No authority. But sub just a suggestion, Jesus... Just, just chuck yourself. Hey, look, tell you what, since, since you keep bringing it up, I know some Bible too. Satan says, first written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, you idiot. Well, pro probably, right? It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And so Jesus, again, this time quoting Deuteronomy 6.16. 
And as I said, Satan's a Bible expert. Just pulled that one. How many of you have, have, have a verse like that memorized, like that long? For God so loved the world that he... I'll check the magnet on my fridge when I get home, right? <clears throat> Satan just, just pulls out Bible. But you see what he does? He twists it. He twists it. Jesus says, you con. You con. Yeah, that's text, but you've taken it out of context. And when you take a text out of context, all you're left with is a con. You con artist. Satan. You con artist. And this is where where preachers, this is where we've got to be careful. Make sure we're not sliding into some con. We're taking everything out of context to suit what we want to say rather than what God wants to say. You got to be careful. We want you to be in this church, but if you go somewhere else, by the grace of God, choose a, choose a pastor that exegetes the texts, that goes through the whole counsel of God's word as we're charged to do. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. That's how Calvary Chapel does it. doesn't say you got to be legalistic about it. doesn't mean that you can't give a Christmas sermon on Christmas. But beware of those that take it out of context. To disobey God, to challenge God, to contradict God, to disobey God. It's entirely demonic. Satan's interpretation challenges, disputes, and contradicts Jesus. So Jesus says, you're a con. And again, he quotes Deuteronomy. And then check this, Satan goes, now when the devil had ended every temptation... He departed from him until an opportune time. See, Satan has limited resources. He doesn't have unlimited resources. He has limited resources. And when you as a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit encounter and engage in spiritual warfare and you begin to shine God's truth on Satan's lies, he may subside until an opportune time arises again. And so don't think that this is going to be a one-time show. I have, no, I have no doubt that what happened to me a few months ago will happen again at some point. No doubt. I was a shell. I, did not want even, I didn't even want to go home. I didn't want to see my family. I was a shell. I was emotionless. So I was like, my kids were like an affront to me. Get off. J- just like... I didn't know I wanted to leave. I won't go into the whole details. I have no doubt that they're now just waiting. Let me just, let me go through it. Forget it. That was the whole day. It's actually like, it actually happened before I went to Haiti with with Nate, who's back there running slides, and he knows this, and we've talked about this before. And something happened, and, and I don't know when it began. I don't know how it started. I don't know what set it off. But at some point, demonic oppression began. And I've got the date in my phone and I've got a whole thing that I wrote out afterwards. Long, long, long story short, I got home. I didn't want anything to do with my kids. I didn't want anything to do with my wife. She's saying, what's wrong? Something's different. Something's weird. I was on the couch. She took them back. And, I, and I, all of a sudden I realized that this is spiritual warfare. And all I said was this, Jesus, free me. Jesus, free me. And I fell asleep. And I know that sounds Romantic. And I know that that's not how it's always going to pan out. But I woke up and it was gone. 20 minutes later, I went back in. Chris goes, what was with whatever that was? What was that? Sat down and we talked about it. I know for a fact they're just waiting for an opportune time. And so this is not, as we're going to see in the series, the end all be all for Jesus. Satan has done his part. Now he'll send minions. And so if you will, jump over with me, and he's got limited resources. Jump over with me real fast to verses 31. We're going to take a look at one of these demons that then sets himself up. I'll just read through this. We're going to get into some more of these encounters in the next three weeks in more depth. But Satan sends his first minion on Luke's account. And here it is. Then he went down to Capernaum, and I've been to Capernaum. You can still go there today. Super cool town. It's on, the, it's on the Sea of Galilee. The ruins are still there. A little amphitheater, pillars, epic. Called, the, you know, the town of Jesus. He was there a lot. Love it. It's still there. Super cool. Try to go there sometimes. Save up your money. Go to Israel. 
a city of Galilee. And he was teaching. So set the stage. Jesus is teaching. People are there. People showed up when Jesus taught. Okay? People are there. They're worshiping. Jesus is teaching. And then something freaky happens. It says, and they were astonished at his teaching. For his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. Imagine this, right now, guy comes in right now. Maybe sits down for a little bit. Maybe he's bleeding, he's dirty. He started, oh, he's on drugs. Maybe that's how he started. Guy stands up, comes a little closer, sits back down. Jesus is teaching. This guy's possessed. This is a demon that's inside an image bearer of God and he can't stand it. Now the demon walks in and who's he see teaching? The man that created him. Incarnate. The physical form. The man, creator, Jesus. And he's teaching. And check this out. Look at this response. Said he cried out with a loud voice. Magic guy walks in here, he's crying, he just starts yelling. Hey! You! Right? People move. Right? People, what? Guys grab the girls, kids in the back. This guy shows up. You! It's like he's seen him before, it's like he knows who he's dealing with. He's yelling. This isn't going to be a casual conversation. This is spiritual warfare. Say, hey, is hoping, are you you done yet? We could, I got questions. Let's just, I'll wait for you. Hey! It's him. It's you. It's Jesus. I've seen you. On the other side, the other dimension, I've seen you. I know you. These people are trying to figure you out. I already figured you out. I know exactly who you are. This guy's yelling. He says, leave us alone. Right? Like Jesus is standing up there. A guy walks in, leave me alone. It's like this guy's off his rocker. No, this demon's before his creator. This This is supposed to be our territory. What are you doing here? This creator come to earth. Demons are shaking. He says, let us alone. What, what have you, what have we to do with you? Jesus of Nazareth. He's already got it figured out. He knows. Whole room filled with people like, I, I'm, I'm going to need to see some more stuff with this guy. Does he have a Wikipedia page yet? I don't know if he's legit. I'll check. We'll come back next Saturday. This guy comes and says, no, I know exactly who you are. You're Jesus of Nazareth. Did you come to destroy us? Because he knows he can. I don't ask that of like Asher. Did you come to destroy me, kid? Right with the curls, like. (laughs) Right, if you haven't met my kid, you'll see him come booking in here after the service. Kid did not come to destroy anything except hearts, okay, right? So, right? Creator creation. Yeah? Did you come to destroy us? Because he knows he could. He knows who he's dealing with. He says, look, you spoke me into existence. You could take me out like that. This is the demon response. And we held them up like they're these epic. And they're fallen angels. They're amazing creatures. But before Jesus, they're just blubbering idiots. What are you going to do with me? Jesus is like, you came in here, genius. I imagine that's how it went down. Okay. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And some of you come here tonight and you're like, I'm still trying to figure it out. You need to know that the ones who hate you already figured it out. Dane said, pick a team. You're on the side of the creator God or his creation. And his creation is going to be crushed and burned and restored and made new. 
And those that are on the team, Jesus, when he comes back, will live for eternity in his presence. And those that choose the way of the world, even if you're a, you say, oh, I've just, I haven't made a decision, that is a decision. When you see the creator that stood before there was even heaven, he says, it's me or nothing else. You're like, well, I'm sort of in the middle on that one. He says, then you've made your decision. And demons don't get to go away from Jesus in the end. Satan doesn't get to be apart from Jesus in the end. Dying apart from Jesus does not mean that you will not see Jesus. It says in Revelation that he holds the keys to Hades. We've long said in the church, and it's theologically wrong, that hell is separation from God for eternity. It's not. Hell is eternal, conscious torment in the presence of God for eternity. Jesus stands over all creation. He stands with his boot over hell for eternity. And he says, the gospel does not allow indifference. Demons know. He says, you are the holy one. Jesus, you are of all authority. Are you going to destroy me? And Jesus rebuked him and says, be quiet. Shut your mouth. I love that Jesus. We don't talk about him enough. Get to the part where he was like with the kids. I like the part where he yells at a demon. Says, shut your mouth. This is creator God speaking. In man, as a man, to man, possessed by a demon. I know you both, I created you both. Be quiet. And come out of him. And it says, and when the demon had thrown him in their midst. So this guy gets thrown. How does that work? No idea. Imagine the guy's six rows back and he's thrown to the front. Jesus says, be quiet. Come out. Dude hits the ground. Right? You think the Bible's boring. Which one are you reading, right? And it says, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Jesus says, I got this. I know you're struggling right now, but I got this. It hurts now, but you're, look, you, you may be in pain. And that guy's in pain, as we're going to see. People that were possessed were in pain. They were suffering. Jesus says, you need to know. I will make you new. I will cast this world down. I will overcome. You will make it out unharmed for eternity. Verse 36 is, and then they were all amazed, right? All amazed. Like you just saw this whole thing go down. Dude comes in, he's yelling. Jesus says, shut your mouth. Gets thrown to the front. Now people are amazed. And spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is. And it's ironic they say word. The word was with God and the word was God. That's Jesus. He says, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out and they report about him and the report went out about him into every place in the surrounding region. He says, this authority, what authority is this? Look at this authority. That's creator God before his creation demanding a response. Demanding a response from his people. That's Jesus. This is creator Jesus that came into the world as we're going to celebrate as a meek little baby. And the demon said, I know who you are. You should have come in power and riches, yet you came in poverty and rags. To live the life that you and I should have lived. To die the death that you and I deserved to restore and reconcile us from our rebellion, to overcome sin and death and Satan and demons. And this is what, this is what stings them the most. It's not that Jesus came and, and extracted them from possessions. 
It's not that he told them to be quiet and he cast them out. It's not that he resisted temptation. This is what hurts them the most out of Colossians 2, verses 11 through 15. I want you to read this. It says, In him, that's Jesus, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him, that's Jesus, from the dead. The Holy Spirit did that, by the way. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made you alive together with him, the creator of all, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And so many things happened on the cross, but the worst things for the demons that happened on the cross was this. It says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a what? A public spectacle of them. Jesus made him look like a joke on the cross. Jesus said, you have no power here. You may run enemy territory, but I run everything that's ever been created before there was creation. And he took the wrath of almighty God on the cross. He took the cup of God's wrath having lived the life that we should have lived, having died the death that we then should deserve. Jesus says, and one of the things, Paul writes in Colossians, says one of the things that happened on that was in Jesus who said, no man takes my life, I what? I give it. I give it. That the creator would come down as a baby all the way to the cross. And then it says on the cross, before principles and powers, before Satan and demon, he made them look a fool. He made a spectacle of the world on the cross. No God does that. No fake religion ever writes that their God was humiliated, naked, broken on a cross. You don't write that into your fake religion. That doesn't excite people. Our God did what? He got murdered? Next. Tell me I can be God. Tell me I get a planet. Tell me my good works earn me good things. Not that the creator God came from before there was even heaven to his children who rebelled from him to restore them, to reconcile them to a holy God. But I'm telling you, church, as you go out empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will face oppression. You may even encounter possession. Satan and his demons are at work alive and well today. And we live in enemy territory. But this is the big idea. This is all you ultimately need to remember. Who has all authority? That's it. That's it. You shine that truth on any lie that comes your way. You shine that light in your heart when any lie creeps up that Jesus, creator of the universe, knows exactly what it's like to walk through life and be tempted with sex, to be tempted with lies, to be tempted to cheat and steal and do hallucinogens and drink to drunkenness. Jesus knows exactly what's that like what that's like and he empowered by the holy spirit not because he was god but because he was indwelt by god resisted that all the way to the cross and said for those of you that haven't resisted the lies of satan and demons i'll take that for you, Thank you. and then the wrath of god was poured out on jesus and he ushered in grace upon grace And so we simply kick off Jesus and demons with this, that Jesus has all authority. And when you march into the world on mission empowered by the Holy Spirit, 
The transfer of that authority is in you. Use it wisely, but know that the attacks are coming. But it will be in the name of Jesus that you have victory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what a ridiculous work you did. What a ridiculous work you did on the cross. That you created all things, the sun, the moon, the seasons, the land, the sea, the animals, the fish. You created all that. Angels and humans, and we both rebelled from you. Tonight, I just pray for open hearts to just say, God, we've rebelled against you. Even the Christians, the, the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. The Christians come before you and drop and say, we've rebelled against you. I pray that if you haven't accepted Jesus tonight, that you would just simply say, Jesus, I've rebelled against my creator. And I repent. I see you high and lifted up. I see how big you are now. By your grace, I've, I've seen a picture of what's to come and I've rebelled against you. The demons know who you are, Jesus. And I'm acting like I still need to figure it out. So I just pray against the spiritual powers, the, the powers of the air, the principalities. That would ask us to just do a little something for us despite God's word. Ask us to tempt God, lie, cheat, steal. Go for it. Just worship us a little bit. Just pray against that. I pray that this church would be renewed in the Holy Spirit. Day by day, renewed and empowered. Knowing that there's a battle, but now equipped Jesus, by your word, and I pray that continues to grow, equipped by you, for you, through you, to your glory. So Jesus, do a work in us tonight. Empower your people, convert lives and hearts. Restore us from our rebellious state to a loving father who has all authority so much that he could just take it to the cross, have it poured out on his son, and say, all who are in, in, in him are free. All who are in him are free. And so we thank you for freedom tonight, Jesus. By your authority, we have freedom in you. And so we're gonna sing to you now, Jesus. High and lifted up on your throne, creator of all things. We know who you are. We've chosen our side. We're with you, Jesus. We're with you. Amen.